sorry to disappoint the conspiracy theorists, but when it comes to sinister suspicions about election fraud, the best test is a piece of computer programmer's lingo, which comes down to don't look for evil plots to explain an anomaly when simple incompetence is probably the cause. Donald J. Trump, the Republican's presidential candidate, has been dropping large, dark hints that the only way he can lose is if someone does him wrong. American history is marbled with incidents of both election fraud and ineptness, but Andrew Gumbel says things are different now, more or less. He writes for The Guardian and other publications about politics and crime here, and his latest book is Down for the Count, Dirty Elections and the Rotten History of Democracy in America, an updated version of his book Steal This Vote. The English-born Gumbel is now a U.S. citizen and might agree with his countryman, the half-American Winston Churchill, who opined that it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government except all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. Donald Trump says that the system is rigged, the election system is rigged, which essentially means if Donald Trump doesn't win, it's rigged. And I'm afraid the election's going to be rigged, I have to be honest. Because I think my side was rigged if I didn't win by massive landslides. What do you make of that? Well, first of all, I think it's richly ironic that a man who managed to stage a hostile takeover of one of the two American major parties should think that somehow the system is rigged against him. I think he's done extraordinarily well out of the system in this electoral cycle. Um, the second thing to point out is I think this is a, a typical piece of Trump um, positioning to get his supporters riled up. He's also been saying in the last few days that you know he, he accepts he may lose. And I think it's worth pointing out there are ways in which what he's saying are utterly unprecedented as well. The only way we can lose, in my opinion, I really mean this, Pennsylvania, is if cheating goes on. I really believe it. You know, I can't think of, a, of an example of anybody running for any election who says three months out that the, the outcome has been rigged already. So I think he understands that, you know, the election is one thing and what you tell your supporters is another. And what he's really saying, I think, is that uh, there's a crisis of representation in politics in this country, that neither major party represents the interests of the people voting for them in an adequate fashion. And there I think he has a point. It's very important when you're looking at allegations of mischief with voting in the United States to look at how the system actually works and where the possible weak points are. If you can demonstrate that it's a close race with high stakes, with one party in charge and in a position to manipulate the results in a very concrete way, then I think you're onto something. If you're looking at a state with a large number of, of counties, each of which run their own elections, many of which have different voting systems, um, and the allegiance of those county officials is, you know, to different parties, different situations in each place. The idea that you can have a coordinated conspiracy to change the outcome statewide doesn't really pass the smell test. The underlying danger of suggesting that the entire system is crooked, one of his favorite words again. You know, the comeback to that that we heard from President Obama is correct in that, um, you know, first of all, it's not one election, it's 51 elections, all 50 states plus the District of Columbia. Every state has a different electoral system. There is actually no way of manipulating the outcome on a national level. Uh, of course, the elections will not be rigged. What does that mean? <laughs> the federal government doesn't run the election process. States and cities and communities all across the country 
they're the ones who set up the voting systems and the voting booths. And that's true. Uh, there are, however, a number of problems where you have states that don't have reliable voting machines. You have uh, frustrating or inadequate uh, systems in place to have enough voting machines in place for voters. So you see extraordinarily long lines. You have, you know, inadequate. You have a, you have unequally distributed. Uh, resources for elections. So in affluent areas, people have relatively few problems voting. In less affluent areas, you have people having many more problems. And you also have the politicization of the voting process that's gone on in a number of states, especially in the last few years. To say that the system is, is perfect is wrong. To say that you can rig an election three months out on a national scale is also wrong. You looked at historically how elections had been handled fraudulently in this country almost since there was a country presidential elections have been rigged in this country. There's no doubt about it. And they've been rigged in different ways. Very early on in 1800 and in 1824, they were essentially rigged by the House of Representatives. Uh, it's still true to this day that if, if there's a dispute about the outcome, then the election gets thrown to the House of Representatives to decide what happened. In both those years, very early on in the Republic, before voting had really become established as the way of, of electing presidents, uh, the House decided to go with whoever was politically meet to go with, as opposed to the person who was perceived to have had the greatest support. We have then seen how elections have been rigged, or at least have been the outcome has been determined not by who came out ahead in the popular vote, but by the Supreme Court. In 1876, it was a single Supreme Court justice who was charged by the House of Representatives to be the swing vote there, who found in favor of the candidate who did not win the greater number of votes, either state by state or overall. That was Rutherford B. Hayes. Um, over Samuel Tilden. And then again, of course, you know, within living memory, the Supreme Court ended the election in Florida in 2000, again, without regard to how the voter outcomes might have, have, have determined the race. And I think you know, a lot of what we've seen in the last 16 years in terms of the politicization of the voting process, uh, attempts by one party or the other, mostly the Republicans in the last 16 years, to skew the process in their favor through administrative means, through the introduction of certain rules and laws. Um, I think all of that comes out of the very angry, conflicted, bitter feelings that came out of the end of the 2000 presidential election. You know, elections only become suspect when they're very close. And I would also say when the, when the stakes are considered to be very high. Donald Trump said that essentially what's to stop people going 10 times to the voting booth? When we hear about the voter fraud laws, it may be a solution in search of a problem. What Donald Trump is alluding to is a widespread suspicion among Republicans, both officials and also rank-and-file voters, that somehow it's possible for individual voters to fraudulently present themselves at the polls more than once, vote you know, multiple times, as he alludes. I think what this taps into is a couple of things, both of which are wrong. One is the sense that if more people register and participate in elections, it's inherently suspect. And number two, specifically, that somehow this is connected to immigrants, new voters, people with different uh, color skins, different national origins. And it plays to a certain kind of dog whistle racism that has existed in American politics for a very long time. Now, is any of this justified by reality? The answer to that in, in very stark terms is no. 
where there has been fraud in American elections in the recent past, it has almost never been on the level of the individual voter fraudulently presenting him or herself more than once or on the basis of an ineligibility. It just does not happen. Um, a number of studies have said it, it's rarer than being struck by lightning. To, to raise it as, as an issue, as you say, is, is to propose a solution in search of a problem. There were incidents in the early 19th century, a couple of hundred years ago, there was a practice called cooping. It essentially meant getting a voter drunk, taking him to a poll, changing his clothes, walking him to another poll, getting him to vote again. The theory was that that's what happened to Edgar Allan Poe. He was known to be roaring drunk when he was found um, in a back alley near, near, near a tavern that was being used as a polling station. Um, and it happened to be election day in Baltimore where he was found. And his friends subsequently concluded that he had been literally cooped to death. Uh, it's not something that's ever been 100% confirmed, but it seems quite likely. So voting fraudulently may have killed Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, it seems so, yes. Every new kind of voting technique brings some new questions about accuracy and even vulnerability. Election machines in this country have never been properly overseen. There have never been proper standards. And you've had a kind of a Wild West system going back decades um, where counties and sometimes states will make purchases of machines that are improperly programmed or improperly constructed and are easily manipulable in ways that can be undetectable. This has gone back, you know, since the first voting machine came in in the 1890s, the first lever machine. People found ways to manipulate those. People have found ways to manipulate punch card machines. Uh, the, the first experiments with, with punch card machines, again, in California, in the late 60s, um, also were a dramatic failure. 1968, the, the California primary, which was completely overshadowed by the assassination of Bobby Kennedy, but that was the first time that punch card machines were used in California. It was a catastrophic failure that no one remembers that because, because, because of the Kennedy assassination. And then there's a the suspicion of machines being manipulated, and there have been a number of times where technicians have demonstrated publicly how you can manipulate the machines. And then there are the more abstract warnings, which have been true, especially of the electronic voting machines, where computer scientists have said it's entirely possible to hack into these machines, alter the outcome remotely in a way that no one would necessarily notice. So is the, the security and the confidence uh, in a voting system in an election, does it repose in paper ballots? Well, the system that is generally regarded as the most efficient and the most reliable and the safest at the moment is the optical scan ballot, which is the one which is, it is paper. You, you fill in the little bubble with a pencil, and then those get counted by a machine. But if there's any question about the outcome, you've got a paper backup. You do need some degree of mechanization, I think, in American elections because you have so many races. In Britain, where I'm from, generally speaking, you vote for your member of parliament, and that's pretty much it. It's a single race ballot. Here you can have dozens of races in a single election. And the idea that you would have armies of bureaucrats counting those laboriously by hand is not a practical solution. And of course, we live in a country where people want their results instantly. The polls close at 8 o'clock. People want to know at 8.05 who's won the election. So some degree of mechanization is necessary. The, the optical scan ballots seem to work very well. When people around the world are given the opportunity to vote for the first time, we see 
long lines of people waiting to cast ballots. And yet our voter turnout is deplorable. I think if the system was more transparent and inspired more confidence in terms of you know, how well it worked, I think that would certainly be a helpful step. Uh, but I think the bigger issues in U.S. politics is that the two parties over a long time have discouraged voters who they don't think uh, can be counted on to vote for their party. And you have a system now that, because of the money involved and, and a number of other factors, I think, you know, is not adequately representative of voters' interests. So somehow, um, you know, the whole culture has to change to give people the sense they have a stake in political outcomes and an interest in participating. And, you know, we've seen that to some degree in this election cycle. I think one of the benefits of the Trump candidacy, and certainly of the Bernie Sanders candidacy, is the idea that people who have been turned off politics can find a reason to get back in and to have a sense that there is a way of having their issues heard. Can it fairly be said that the Founding Fathers didn't really trust voters? They put the Electoral College between us and the presidency. We've seen two presidential elections, at least, where the winner of the popular vote did not win the White House. The Founding Fathers lived in an age when democracy was considered a dangerous and novel idea, and no one knew if it would work. There were various assumptions that it, that it would make individual voters susceptible to bribery, uh, a number of other reasons for many of the Founding Fathers to come out vehemently against the concept of popular voting for, for political offices. Um, there have obviously been many um, hiccups along the way, but fundamentally the United States became the first country uh, in, in, in what is now recognized as the democratic world to, to establish the concept of voting. And I think this country has both been a pioneer in a good way and also has suffered by being out front. And that's something that I think makes the United States really unique among Western democracies, that there's been no adult in the room that has said we need a system that works for everybody. And transparent voting rules, and a system that everybody has a general degree of confidence in. That's never really occurred. I mean, I'm fortunate to live in a place where the voting system seems to work relatively well. California has a long history of problems with its voting system. Uh, my sense is that in the last 10 years, where things have been going in the wrong direction in many states, things have been going emphatically in the right direction here in California. Andrew Gumbel, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. I am Pat Morrison. ¶¶